Blog Talk Radio. This fall, the Fantasy Sports Channel will make history all over again with even more live fantasy sports radio than anywhere on the planet. At least 12 hours of fantasy football, baseball, basketball, and hockey action each Monday through Friday. Plus more fantasy sports talk every Saturday and Sunday. More than 50 shows in all from the best fantasy sportscasters in the business. Try getting that on your radio dial. The Fantasy Sports Channel, only on Blog Talk Radio. It's a schedule you can bet on. No, Mike, no, Mike, we will not be talking fantasy baseball. Not at all. One bleeds red and one bleeds blue. Two friends, one heated rivalry. It's intense. It's no holds barred. It's game time. On Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio with your host, Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Scott and Mike and their versatility bring new light to many topics in and out of the world of fantasy sports. Guests can reach the show by calling 347-324-5404. Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. Let's hope they're still friends afterwards. Here they are, Scott and Mike. in the world of high-stakes fantasy football. As always, I'm joined by my big blue co-host from Brandon Burke, Kentucky, Michael Trent. Mike, we're having problems with the chat room. I tell you, this Adobe Flash player will not cooperate, so please be patient if you're trying to get in the chat room. We're having some issues. Obviously, if you go to Adobe and you try to upgrade there, that will help. I had major issues with Chrome and Mozilla. I had to go back to Internet Explorer. Nope, I don't know if that means the end is near. But, Mike, this is a fat tire Friday on Red versus Blue, the old Amber Ale, the new Belgium, and we're cracking it open to start the show. Well, I'll tell you what, Scott, I can fill it up. Uh, I can fill up what they're going to say in the chat room, but uh, <laughs> needless to say that everybody would be clicking, uh, oh, heck with this show. So anyway, uh, it is going to it's going to be a fun show. We'll have a good time with it. Uh, looking forward to uh, talking about uh, some different stuff, and I will talk about fantasy baseball later in the show. Uh, but uh, you know, I, I'm looking forward to uh, talking about your Global Cardinals. Uh, you know, they're they're, they're on fire. Uh, they're playing Pittsburgh on Sunday. I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do because they continue to uh, step up against Big East opponents. And let's face it, the Big East is. Uh, the best conference in the land right now. So uh, I, what's your thoughts on uh, what uh, Lobo going to do against uh, Pittsburgh? Hey, we're definitely going to kick off all that and more Louisville and Kentucky action. Uh, I want to get out of the way first. Uh, thanks to everybody uh, for uh, Mark Ronick and the guys at the Fantasy Sports Channel for uh, bringing us on FSC.FM, streaming live 24 hours a day, seven days a week, fantasy sports action Monday through Sunday, Throughout the week, there's no off day for the Fantasy Sports Channel. makes it nice because you can watch it. Uh, you can listen at home. You can listen in your car. If you download it, you have the podcast to your iPod or MP3 player. You can subscribe on our page. If you like our show, go ahead and click that little link that says subscribe and become a fan of the show. It will be a simple email reminding you of the show every Friday night so you don't forget and you don't miss. Uh, it also will allow you to subscribe and, and keep that podcast rolling throughout the year in case you miss it any night. Uh, if you have emails, you can always send the email to the Red versus Blue inbox at redbluesports at gmail.com. That's redbluesports at gmail.com. Uh, also on Twitter, Red Blue Radio, you can tweet us during the program. We'll, we'll ask those questions on the air. And then uh, you can also see Mike and I's uh, the blog that we have over at highstakesfootball.com. If you wish to call in the show, 347-324-5404 is the number. 
And we're going to start off with a little bit of Louisville, Kentucky action since this is the Red vs. Blue show. We make no bones about it. It's uh, one Louisville fan bleeds, uh, you know, bleeds red, one diehard Kentucky fan, he bleeds blue. God love him. And we'll start off on Tuesday night, Mike, the game for the Louisville Cardinals, uh, Louisville versus Rutgers. Louisville held them to 37 points, Mike, just 13 field goals. The T.O.'s getting this team better defensively in March, and that's what you want to see from a team that has only one senior, Preston Knowles. That's all we lose this year, Mike, Preston Knowles. He hit three three-pointers to open the game. We started off on a 17-2 run. And the Cards are 21-7, and Mike, a lot better than we expected. 10-5 and in the Big East, and 11 teams, a record 11 teams will be making that NCAA tourney. What do you think about that? Yeah, well, you know, I think 11 should because uh, that, that conference, they just beat up on each other, just like when uh, Marquette beat uh, Georgetown this week. I mean, this conference, is it's amazing in, in the way they go about things. Uh, first off, I like the way that it's just structured, that it's just there's no East-West conference or anything like that. They're all, you know, uh, put together, and they play most of each other, and uh, it's, it's a great conference. Um, you know, Louisville went to uh, Rutgers, and uh, I saw the uh, replays when I got home that night. And, uh, you know, it was nothing special that Louisville did on the offensive side other than make threes. But uh, defensively, they were great. Louisville is a very good team, very sneaky in that conference because they're winning games and they're doing things the right way. And, you know, I think they're going to make a lot of noise, and I hate to say that. I know you hate to say it, Mike, as much as I love to hear it. Uh, Louisville is a, a team that cares more with this team about the names on the on the front rather than the names on the back. I know that's a cliche, but this team really gets that, and I think every fan knows it. The egos are not there. They pass the ball very effectively. Last year was the year of Edgar Sosa, kind of a hot shot. We love the kid. We hate the kid, but, you know, and, and that type of team. Right. You just got fresh off of the Terrence Williams-Earl Clark saga that showed uh, to what two lottery teams, what Rick Pitino could do with two lottery players. What he did with two lottery players uh, was he got them to the Final Four, uh, or he got, to a, uh, he got them to a Final Four with Garcia, then he comes back and gets them to two straight Elite Eights and a number one seed overall. That's what he can do when he gets the recruits. Uh, the recruits are starting to come around. They've got a very good recruiting class next year, and, uh, you know, that's what he's doing with these Cardinals. Is he's, he's really uh, getting that aggressive uh, defensive first mentality, and you live by the three, and you die by the three, and you shoot it until uh, the Cowboys well, hit up the first nine. I, I think what's going to happen uh, with uh, Louisville's team right now, and but instead of Kentucky's team, is uh, right now I saw a mock uh, NBA draft, and uh, Kentucky's team, they're, they're freshmen. Your Terrence Jones is uh, projected to go in the top uh, between ten and fifteen. Your Brandon Knight is projected to go between 15 and 20, uh, whereas Louisville's uh, players, I don't think any of them are going to go pro, and that's going to make them even scarier next year with with the recruiting class that, that they have coming in. I mean, don't get me wrong, Kentucky, they're going to have one kick-butt recruiting class coming in, but uh, – you would always like to have somebody to go along with that, some complimentary type of uh, player to go along with that, and they're not going to have that. It's going to be uh, it's going to be great recruiting classes, but different teams. Well, we'll talk about it again. Uh, Louisville finished that second half, missed ten of their first twelve, and they had opening eleven minutes. And Pittsburgh will not be as easy on this Sunday. Uh, they're asking for a wideout at the Young Center at, uh, for the Louisville Cardinals. And uh, Pittsburgh, number six Pittsburgh, won't be as easy. They do have an injury to take care of, but that should be a great game, setting things up for a good Big East tournament. There is a little bit of talk on CardChronicle.com. Like, I want to give that site some love. Uh, CardChronicle.com, there's some talk that uh, on the message boards there that it might not be a good idea if Louisville gets the – double bye, and the, the theory is that last year the teams that had the double bye lost in the first round because, you know, you're in Madison Square Gardens, you had to travel, your fans don't usually travel very well if you're Louisville, it's a very expensive trip for those guys, they get there, 
and you've already you've already played a team that's either one or two games fresher than you are, and rolling momentum. Now, would you rather would you rather play a team like a South Florida or something like that in that first in that in that second round, or would you rather be playing a UConn or a Syracuse that has already won a game in that second round? So there's a little bit of talk about maybe the double buy isn't what you want. What do you what are your thoughts on that? Whoa, 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 whoa. How many games do you want to play? You don't want to play that many. Uh, do you want to lose yeah. any? No, you don't want to lose any. You, you want to win every freaking game you can. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't buy that. It worked out for Kentucky back in 1998 when they uh, lost to Mississippi State in the uh, SEC championship game uh, in the tournament. But, uh, no, you, you want to do everything you can to win every freaking game you can to make your team better come the real deal. I mean, let's face it, the Big East tournament, uh, that's going to be a, a showcase for Louisville because to to win things, to win a lot of games, uh, if they if they win the uh, Big East tournament, so be it. If they don't, whoop-de-doo. Their, their seed is not going to change that much in that tournament, unless they bomb out in the first round, which I don't think they will. So win all yeah. you can. Well, yeah, it's uh, it's not going to be easy in the Big East. If you get the double bye, you still got to win three games in three nights. If you get the single bye, it's four games in four nights. And if you're one of those bottom feeders, you got to win five games in five nights. Not easy for the Big East. No. Let's move on to the SEC. Calipari seems to think, and he's going on record, that the SEC will be well represented in the NCAA tournament come the Sweet 16, Kentucky versus Arkansas, who, you know, look, they had a 10-game losing streak to Kentucky. God love them. Uh, but there was a stat that said, hey, when they score 70 points, uh, they, they, uh, they are pretty tough. And they got to that 70 mark, and I said, look out. And they pulled that game out 77-76 in overtime. Kentucky lost a heartbreaker. Where does this team go from here, Mike? Well, you know, they're going to be at home against Florida. Uh and Florida's ranked 13th and playing very well. They're, they're playing very good ball. Uh, they're going to eventually play uh, Tennessee uh, at Tennessee, and that's going to be a very tough game for them. Uh, obviously, every game's tough for them on the road. Uh, I'm looking at the SEC as a as a whole package. Uh, the SEC is, uh, you know, it's a hodgepodge kind of deal. Uh, Bandy, uh, they just lost to Tennessee. You know, I don't know who stands out, who's real good. Uh, Alabama leads the SEC West, and there's a pretty good chance Alabama's going to win the SEC West. And if they don't win the SEC tournament, they may not even make it in the tournament, in the uh, NCAA tournament. Uh, it's a very, uh, I want to say, a very weak and uh, hodgepodge kind of conference right now. Uh, Kentucky, uh, they're just uh, they're they're not the same team as they were last year because their their freshmen aren't cocky enough. You have to be cocky. You have to understand your role. But on the other side of things, uh, I heard uh, Joe Lenardi uh, put them as uh, number five as a number five seed, saying their last road game will be after the SEC regular season is done. And he was asked, well, why is that? Because from here on out, they will not have a road game because how well they travel. Well, that might help, but the bottom line is they're only six deep and they've got a long way to go. Uh, so, I, you know, as far as Kentucky goes, I know I'm rambling a little bit, but uh, they've got a long way to go and uh, they just need to catch lightning in a bottle, to be honest with you, Scott. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. Uh, this 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 whole strategy of the uh, you know the Kentucky Wildcats and Calipari, the dribble drive, uh, you know motion dribble drive, whatever the hell they call that. Hold on, wait, wait, wait. We got to take a fast tire break here. Just two seconds. You know that dribble drive offense. It works when you got a guy like John Wall, or when you got a guy like um, who's the guy at Brandon Derrick Rose, yeah, Brandon Knight. But, you know, you need a little bit of help here. And last year you had the big monster underneath. And what was his name? He number two pick, number three pick overall. He, he had the big Mont Cousins. He had the big Cousins underneath. You had that one-two, you know, combination. 
this year you don't have that big inside presence like you had last year with Cousins. And that's what Kentucky right. needs right now. They, they need that, that two-way street of a game. And, and they've got to they've got to get it going. They've got the talent. They just have to they just have to really get it together. They got to get it together quick. So, yeah, yeah, they you know they do. There's a lot of talent there, and uh, but Terrence Jones, uh, he's not the mean kind of guy that Cousins is uh, that, that Cousins was. Uh, which Cousins, he's already shown in the NBA. I mean, he he's thriving on this stuff. He likes to get booed. He likes to get hated, just like John Wall. I mean, those individuals. Uh, they were well beyond their time. I, I call them the Led Zeppelin of uh, uh, basketball because they were way beyond their time. Yeah, we're just talking to the team in the chat room here. Uh, Dave's in the chat room. Steve Wood, Wayne. We've got some problems with the chat room. Uh, hopefully you have your Adobe Flash player updated on Adobe site so that you can get in. I couldn't get in using Chrome. It looks like my uh, Wayne could somehow... Uh, I had to move over to Internet Explorer 8, so if you are still trying to get in the chat room, I would suggest going to Adobe and trying to download that Flash player and that, or at least that update on that Flash player. We're getting ready to talk Dynasty Fantasy Football uh, because yeah. we've got a lot, of, uh, a lot of trades going down, and I want to get your thoughts on, Mike. Uh, there was a trade that just went down. I was able to pull it off uh, in the FFPC 1250 High Stakes Dynasty uh, Tony Moyaki and the one-three rookie pick, or Mike Williams of Tampa Bay. Which side do you like better? Moyaki of the one-three versus uh, Mike Williams. Um, well, it just depends. I mean, how bad does that uh, other team need a tight end? I mean, uh, tight ends are becoming a, uh, you know, they're they're becoming very special right now. Uh, we're getting a lot of points uh, out of tight ends. And that one three, uh, I would I would take the Moriaki and the one three. All right. Well, let me get uh, let me get this fired up here then. All right, Mike. The buzzer here is uh, cranking up. I'm gonna put you in about a seven and a half, maybe a seven seven five, because Mike Williams is the play there. Mike Williams in his first year with Josh Freeman put up some ridiculous numbers, and it's only gonna get better from here. The only issues he had in the draft were character issues. Uh, he had the DUI. We were oh, for sure we thought we were gonna we, we thought for sure we were gonna pull a bag of reefer or something out of the car or the vehicle, and that did not happen. That was a good good sign for Mike Williams to me. I'll take a DUI any day over a DUI with some Reapers. So Mike Williams and Josh Freeman are getting ready to to really let uh, set this league on fire with that passing attack. It's a very exciting combination. Aurelius Ben looked even better, and so that's going to be a nice passing game in Tampa Bay. Yeah, powered by the running game inside with Legarrette Blunt. Mike Williams is a target player here at Red versus Blue. Go grab Mike Williams. Steve Wood agrees with me in the chat room. Well, I I understand what you're saying, but on the other side of it, uh, it just depends on the owner that's uh, given up uh, Mike Williams. Uh, Does he have three or four other wide receivers that he can rely on, and does he need that tight end? Does he need that that one three? Uh, You know, so that's why I'm saying that, that that might not be that bad of a trade for that owner. Yeah, so, uh, you know, Moyaki's got a little bit of proving to do. Uh, he looks good, but is he going to be a lead? I'm not so sure. Um, anyway, you know, the 1-3, Julio Jones definitely looks like he's going to be a weapon. Uh, we'll talk about those rookies here a little bit later in the show. We saw another trade go down. Mike Sims-Walker for Ontario Hardesty. Again, not a very big trade in the world of Dynasty Fantasy Football, but these are the types of trades that a team can make to position themselves for a little more depth. Uh, and a possible uh, starter, in either if you're looking for a wide receiver or a running back. But pure dynasty value, Mike, who do you like better, Mike Sims-Walker or Montario Hardesty? Uh, that sounds like hurt for hurt. Uh, I like Mike Sims-Walker. And, again, we're going to ratchet up the buzzer meter to about an eight, a solid eight tonight for Mikey on the buzzer meter. No, I mean, I can see your point of view on Mike Sims-Walker. I'll tell you, I just don't like what I saw from him. The first year he was inconsistent, but he had some big games. We thought maybe if he could get that consistency down, he could be a very potent weapon. I drafted him instead of a Pierre Garçon. Silly me. 
last year he proved without a doubt that his consistency will be his downfall. He didn't have a game over over four receptions. He didn't have any, he had several games over throughout the year with a complete goose egg. He looked lost on the field. And when you're talk, when you're saying he's the number one wide receiver, he's definitely not. So now, will he relish as a number two wide receiver? Quite possibly. I mean, if this guy ends up, you know, as a as a Matt Ryan number two or something in Atlanta, he could have some real value. But I'll tell you what I'll do. Peyton Hillis was not the premier player uh, until last year when he got those attempts and the carries. It sounds like Shermer is saying all the right things about Montario Hardesty, that he will get a chance, he's looking healthy, to get carries in that offense. Now, we're not talking about taking over, but what he said was he likes the idea of the two-back tandem featuring Hillis and Hardesty post the ACL surgery. So, look, it does nothing about the concerns. Hillis' fantasy value uh, you know, he's going to be a stud, but he's not going to be what what he was last year. This is a West Coast offense that Shermer has for a vision, two backs together, keep them both fresh, and Hillis will enter the season as a starter, hard to see as a compliment. But I'll tell you what, it sounds like he's headed toward the RB2 realm with those carries starting to diminish a little bit. Uh, you know, so he's not. I don't think he's going to be uh, drafted at that elite level. No, and he should be. He should be going that. Uh, he should be going that range because uh, you know every uh, successful NFL team right now uh, they are going to the uh, the RB two. I mean, you, you got to have two of them. If you don't, then uh, you're you're going to be sunk. So uh, they're going to have to. Uh, Peyton Hills is. He's still going to get his. He's still going to get his receptions. Uh, Hardesty is going to be his as well, but uh, at in, at the end of the day, I just uh, I think Sims Walker is going to be more valuable uh, in the next two years than Hardesty will because Hillis is just growing into this offense that could become very good. Yeah, very very good possibility. We'll have to wait and see. There's a lot of things going on here. Obviously. Um, I, I want to take a look. There's, there's lots of trades going on in these dynasty drafts, and you have to keep your eye on it to find out what exactly you expect to see happening here. Uh, and they're just, they're just trading left and right going on. I mean, I could, I could read off these trades. Keller for Heath Miller and a 2011 first rounder. Ryan Grant for a 2011 round two. I mean, there's a lot of, a, a lot of trades here that could go either way. You got to, you got to kind of watch these play out. The biggest trade was what I pulled off earlier this uh, couple of weeks ago. Uh, well, not even not even two weeks ago, Chris Johnson. I, I dealt away the one of the best players in the league because my team was not able to win, and I wanted to win, and uh, I had to do something to, to compete in this uh, highly competitive league that I'm in. I got rid of Chris Johnson. I grabbed two first round draft picks, not just two, the number one pick and the number three pick. So that's uh, you know that's AJ Green or Mark Ingram, your choice there, and probably a Julio Jones or a Michaela Shore type. I also grab a flyer in James Stark and a flyer in Jared Cook, who I'm really high on, in Tennessee. Jared Cook seems to be that weapon that they've been waiting for to develop. Sometimes these guys just take a little while to get in. They come in with big egos. It takes a while. It's an intellectual game. But this, uh, the, the new Titans offensive coordinator, who is that, Chris Palmer, he said he's looking forward to working with this Jared Cook because he believes that he has the potential to be a special player. Uh, he could be yeah. a big-time fantasy producer, Mike. Jerry Cook, he started. He finished off the season with a couple of big games against the Colts. He had nine targets, seven catches, 58 yards. Kansas City, five catches, 100 yards, and a touchdown. So that's what you kind of like to see at the end of the year. And say, okay, I got really scared when Shockey started to get uh, – there were rumors about Shockey going to Tennessee, but now it sounds like Shockey, after being released, uh, looks like he might rejoin his uh, former city of love, the Miami uh, Dolphins there. Uh, it's just one of these situations where, you know, Shockey was the guy, and then for, he just had all these injuries. The Titans don't sound like they're interested anymore. It sounds like Miami is interested, and I don't know. Maybe Shockey goes to uh, it, it kind of is a tandem guy there with Fasano. What do you think? Well, Scott, I'm looking at this trade you made, uh, giving up uh, Chris Johnson uh, for the 1-1, one, one, the 1-3, one, and uh, Stark and uh, Jerry Cook, right? I, uh, you know, I love Cook. I mean, he's going to be he's going to be something else. Uh, the 1-1, one, one, 
Uh, looks like Ingram. The one three, I'm not sure. And Stark, uh, chances are he's not going to do you much good at all. Now, how old is Chris Johnson? And you know, I, I just, I, I'm not sure if you made a good trade there. You you really gave up a lot to get a lot, but I mean, all of those picks that you got. And uh, the two players that you got, uh, is that going to offset yeah. Chris Johnson? Well, you never know, man. He's a 25, what, going on 26 years old in, in uh, Tennessee. There's no discounting the value of Chris Johnson. He's obviously a beast. There are some rumors that, you know, once you hit that plateau of carries that he did uh, back in 2009 where he hits the 350 carry mark, that that is a bad omen. You get that 350 and you never recover. And, and there's lots of history behind that. But Chris Johnson is still a stud, still a beast. Mega gnarly beast, but I still like the ability. You get that one one, the one three. I already own the one two, so I'm sitting with the first three picks in the draft. And this year is a fantastic year for the upper end of the draft. And I had to have AJ Green, Mike. AJ Green is the object of my affection this year. Adriel Jeremiah Green, and I'm here in Indianapolis, so I can tell you that that's what the talk is about. This kid, AJ Green, his name. You hear that, you think about maybe it's another diva wide receiver, but this is the guy. He has a great head on his shoulders. He obviously had that issue where he sold a jersey uh, to an NCAA informant. Uh, that, that was a mistake. Uh, but he's a, he's a guy that the character is not a concern with this kid. You can talk to anybody that knows him. This is a clear-cut top receiver. By far the top guy, one AFC scout said, Mike. So, uh, this, well, it's all about the combine here in Indianapolis. I had to have A.J. Green. That was in my affection. I'm getting the 1-3 as a bonus. I'm getting James Starks as a possible carry ball guy in Green Bay. And I'm also getting the flyer in Jerry Cook, and I was hurting it tight end. So, to me, it well, just made sense for my team. Okay. Well, uh, you know, if you don't mind me asking, uh, who, who else do you have at running back right now? Yeah, really – yeah, D'Angelo Williams and Javid Best are two guys. Uh, you know, pretty much that's about it. D'Angelo Williams, Javid Best, Starks, Hardesty, and uh, and now I'll have Ingram at the at the one two. Yeah. Well, you, you know, you're going to be thin at that, but uh, if you still got a competitive team with your quarterbacks and wide receivers, you can uh, you know you can make some things happen with uh, especially Best. I, you know, I think Best to have a real good year for you. This year, yeah, uh, Dave Dave Gerzak is in the chat room. Want to know about the top five with his dynasty picks? AJ Green, Ingram, and Julio seem to be the top three. There, there's a there's a case for Julio in the, as the number two player. Myself, uh, Brian Fontaine's in the chat room as well. He says Mikel Lashore is in the top five, and that's without a doubt. And then you've got Ryan yeah, Williams. About him last week at length. I mean, the, I mean, he he is solid. Yeah, that, uh, Lashore is a is a is a definite name that is going to be appearing on on draft boards throughout the heist or the, throughout the dynasty landscape and over the next couple of of weeks and months here. You're going to see that name pop up more and more as we talk about these rookie picks. But AJ Green again, by far the top guy. Uh, don't get caught up uh, in that in the mess that he got involved with. Uh, listen to what he said. He doesn't want to just settle to be an average receiver. He wants to be the best. He doesn't want to fall by the wayside. Uh, he wants to be the number one guy, and he wants to be the best, and he's a hard worker. Uh, all about the practice, the way he shows up, the way he prepares. Everybody raves about him, and I can only go by what they say. And, uh, you know, so the combine prediction for him, this is not another Charles Rogers or Roy Williams or uh, – this is the next type of Larry Fitzgerald or Andre Johnson or Chad Ochocinco. This is the type of receiver you have with A.J. Green. And, and uh, you know, hey, there's a lot of good receivers out there. They come out of everywhere. Roddy White, these Greg Jennings, these guys, second-round picks, uh, late first. They come out of the woodwork. This guy could expect to be top five if he runs with under a 4-5. Speed is the question here. How fast can he get it? But he's a playmaker, Mike. He, he, he averages, uh, where did I write this down at? He averaged uh, his three years at Georgia uh, yards per catch, 18, 15, and 15. Oh, yeah. So he's got the he's got the yards per catch in his three seasons, and, and, and he's playing in the SEC. So the only other player here you can look at 
is Mark Ingram, Mike. And we talked about him last week, 5'10", 215. He shared the load with Trent Richardson. And they say he shed 10 critical pounds. This is a kid that ran for over 3,200 yards. I mean, this guy's a monster. Uh, 46 touchdowns in three years at Alabama. Uh, he obviously got the, the Heisman and the, and the BCS championship, 1,600 yards as a sophomore. And last year he had the knee injury, and, and him and Trent Richardson kind of held the fort down. But they say the knee's a non-issue, Mike. He's in Indianapolis. You got to like Mark Ingram. Well, yeah, we got to see what uh, what happens with him, uh, especially in the 40, to make sure that uh, he can run just fine. But uh, you know, I don't, I don't discount uh, Mark Ingram. Uh, you know, because everybody's looking for running backs, looking for uh, somebody to, you know, fill their team. Uh, Mark Ingram as a uh, first-year impact player, I, I don't think that's going to happen. You know, those kind of things they just happen on. You know, spontaneously, like a uh, Legarrette Blunt. I mean, who would have thought that he would have has been as good as he was last year? I don't think uh, Ingram put in any different situation with any any different uh, team will make that big of an impact. I, I just don't believe it. But I think long term, he's going to be a very good running back in the NFL. Well, you know, hey, uh, Miami are the ones that are looking at him. Uh, they, they obviously are, are taking a serious, hard look at uh, Mark Ingram, and, and that will uh, develop here as we get closer to the draft. Uh, but we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. Again, Mark Ingram, I, I put him right behind A.J. Green. I think you have to look at Julio Jones as well. If I was, if I was set at running back, I would no doubt take uh, A.J. Green and Julio Jones 1-2. I'm not afraid of Julio Jones as a big-time performer. But it might, like with all young rookies, take him a little while to get into the program. Year two, year three, he'll be a good receiver. But I I don't want to wait around. I think A.J. Green can uh, hold the fort down and at least score for me year one. Now, Calvin wasn't a big-time scorer year one. Do you remember that? You can't expect these guys out of the gate. You can't expect these guys out of the gate to perform when you're playing dynasty. Have your patience. Don't expect it all out of the gate right now. These guys will perform, and you'll have on your hands the next Calvin Johnson-type player. On your squad, yeah, that's what I'm saying about uh, Mark Ingram. I mean, you know, he's gonna he's gonna be very good. I mean, he's gonna make somebody happy. He's gonna make a lot of people happy uh, when it comes to uh, dynasty leagues. But don't expect it right away uh, because this class is very weak. Uh, the NFL uh, draft class this year in 2011 is going to be very weak, but you got to remember, there's going to be a lot of people, and uh, Scott, you and I, we talked about it. Uh, there's a lot of players that you're going to end up grabbing in the second, third round of your dynasty draft leagues and going, man, I sure hope he pans out. Well, I'll tell you what, in two or three years, he probably will, considering and depending on the system that he's in. Mike, uh, the other players that are up in the air here, we talk, we said we would talk about them on the show tonight. Uh, again, the phone number, if you want to call and, and, and talk to us uh, about these guys, or if you have any comments you want to bring out, 347-324-5404. Feel free to give us a shot. Uh, the other guys that we – around the world here, the news from Roto World, we talked about Jeremy Shockey. We don't know what's going to go on with that or what he has left in the tank. The other interesting news, Coach John Fox, newly of the Broncos, they're going to add a compliment to no Sean Moreno in the backfield. Now, we always know you need a one-two punch here, and, and obviously they've, they've, they've been looking at ways to get Corral Buckhalter involved and, and things of that nature, but they're in the process of looking for another player, and there is some speculation that D'Angelo Williams might reunite with his, his boy John Fox in Denver. Uh, I don't know, but if, if he does that, obviously the Moreno owners have to be uh, a little disappointed. You know, you can't like when a player like D'Angelo is rumored to be coming in, regardless if you're the man, to share carries with a back like D'Angelo. That's a, a, a that's an immediate hit to your fantasy value. Yeah, no doubt, and uh, that's gonna <laughs> that's gonna take an effect, and you, you have to you have to automatically look at your. Uh, you're the running backs and going, uh, wow, what what can I do now? Because, uh, you know, I, I don't know where he's going to go. I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, 
how many carries will he get? And, uh, you know, so that just, uh, you know, that definitely takes a hit to your team. Hey, we just had Lance Turbs in the chat room. Lance, it's a fat tire time kind of night, buddy. Amber Ale, new Belgian beer, baby. Uh, let, let's keep moving on. Uh, Sydney Rice, we've got concerns about this hip, this arthritic condition in a hip. We don't know. This is uh, the columnist at the Minneapolis Star. I'd like to actually talk to this guy, Sid Hartman. I, I don't know what's going on here, Mike, but they're saying, look, uh, there are concerns and there's rumors going on that, that he may not be the same player that he once was pre-hip injury. Now, you think about all the things that made Sidney Rice great. It was the deep ball. It was the yards after catch. It was Brett Favre. Uh, and it was the tremendous red zone threat you had in the end zone, Mike. You take away right. Brett Favre. Uh, you, you add into it the hip injury. What do you have with Sidney Rice? I'm not sure if you can expect ever again an elite performance or an elite season out of Sidney Rice. Well, I think you'll see an elite season out of Sidney Rice, but it won't be in a Minnesota Vikings uniform. Uh, the elite wide receiver will be Percy Harvin. Uh, Sidney Rice, is, his day is done in Minnesota. When, when Brett Favre is done, he's done. So uh, I I just don't see a, a quarterback. Uh, you know, first off, the, the quarterback has to spread the ball around, and you have to find a competent quarterback to spread the ball around. Right now, Minnesota, they're gonna they're gonna do good to find one quarterback to spread the ball to one wide receiver, and that wide receiver is not Sidney Rice. Yeah, it's a question of, of what he has left in the tank. They obviously didn't use the franchise tag on him, and, and I wouldn't have, of course. But they say he's a high, high priority to get back. We'll have to see what Frazier, uh, if, if, if Frazier uh, is, is truthful in that. Uh, we'll, we'll have to just watch this with a very close eye. I, I, to me, I'm a Sidney Rice owner in the Dicey League. I'm looking at uh, something I can get a value. I've already been offered the 111 rookie pick, and I want a little bit more than that. I want a little bit more something a little higher up the pay scale than 11. There's, there's, there's a lot of backs in this year's draft, but you don't know what they're going to be, the Deion Lewis types uh, in this draft, uh, the Shane Vereens. Uh, these guys, I'm not oh, real sure what you have in that. Uh, we, we already talked about Blau Powell from Louisville and, and your Derek Locke from Kentucky, these guys. You know, I don't know what you're going to have with these guys. You really never do. Some of these guys are a little too small this year for my taste, but – there's a lot of speed well, I, in this draft. Well, Scott, maybe, maybe I, I can get about like that. In, uh, I'd be interested in what uh, those from the uh, chat room have to say about uh, Sidney Rice's value. Uh, I personally, I don't have him, but uh, you know that that's a very interesting. Uh, he, he's a very interesting guy. I mean, because you know he can he can make a big splash next year with Minnesota and. Uh, and and doing what he's been doing, uh, or uh, he could be a complete bust and get nothing because there's nobody to throw to him, and uh, it's going to be a run-oriented offense uh, with AP. I mean, uh, that's a tough call. Hey, you know what? There's a lot of chatting in the chat room right now about D'Angelo Williams. Let's keep this. Let's keep this talk about D'Angelo Williams going. Uh, because I want to talk, I want to look at the possible teams here for D'Angelo. Obviously, D'Angelo, he stated on record he wants to stay in Carolina. But do you believe him? I mean, 2008, this is a 1,500-yard running back with 18 touchdowns, and in 09, you know, 1,100 yards and seven. Took a big hit with Stewart in the fold, and then in 2010, only six games. So you really can't see what he was all about. So look. The Panthers have declared they don't really care if the tandem remains intact, and they're, they're going to go ahead and and they they place the franchise uh, tag on, on on somebody else. So that that says you know what right. he can go somewhere else. So let's look at the the top possible situations I see for this guy. I think it starts with the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins are searching for somebody in the backfield. Both Ronnie and Ricky are free agents, and Miami has little faith in that depth there. And if they don't go with Ingram, there are strong possibilities that Williams could be the running back there next year. And and but and I, and I'll tell you what, if D'Angelo follows LeBron lead, you know, and he takes his talent to South Beach, 
I tell you what, I, I think that'd be a new star in town. Even though you have the Jets defense and all that, Miami would be an instant playoff contender right. again. Well, and one thing you got to think about is uh, what is D. Will's contract? I mean, has he fulfilled it? Uh, is he on a uh, contract year, a free agent year? Uh, he's a free agent. Free agent. Okay, well, then he's good to go. He's good to go to uh, wherever he needs to go. And, uh, you know, Miami might not be a bad fit. Uh, I've, I've often said that New Orleans would not be a bad fit either. Uh, you know, I mean, there's there's a lot of variables there. Uh, plus, you got to look at his age. I mean, how old is D. Will? Uh, 26, 5? I mean, yeah, I'm going to have to look that up, but uh, – He's 28. Yeah, I mean, actually, I think he's 28. 28. So there you go. I mean, you know, that's another variable. I mean, he the only chance uh, for him to go to another team would probably be for a team like a uh, eventually, believe it or not, New England or a uh, New Orleans Saints, somebody like that that's going to compete for the uh, for the Super Bowl and win it all. I don't. I don't all see right, Mike. Uh, Miami. Doing something like that with a 28-year-old. All right, Mike. Uh, let me let me run by the other names here because everybody's interested in uh, where the other teams are. Uh, I don't think you see a future for him in Cincinnati, uh, although Benson, you know, is a free agent this season. Now, he does expect to be back with the team, but again, it is a possibility that he's going in a different direction since they are moving. Carson Palmer's already requested to manage a trade. Tio and Chad are looking to hit the road. They could make a complete exodus and say, scrap the whole thing bring in D-Will, but you've got that Bernie Scott kid. I don't see Cincinnati there as an option. Arizona, the worst rushing team in the league in 2010. They only average 86 yards a game. Hightower's a free agent. Beanie Wells hasn't been all that impressive. D'Angelo would be the starter right away in Arizona. And if they find a quarterback, that offense could be relevant again. So Arizona's a team I like as a possibility. Indianapolis is a team. The Colts are likely to let Joe and I walk. Uh, there's questions about that, but I think they could let him walk after these last three seasons. And Donald Brown, I mean, he was expected to take the spot as a starter, but he is completely underwhelmed in those two seasons after being a first-round pick. So they're going to look at a veteran, try to join this backfield. And, and, and D'Angelo could be that guy. And i got to tell you, if Peyton had a decent running back behind him, this offense, gnarly, gnarly, Mike. Super Bowl contenders in the AFC if they get D'Angelo Williams. Yeah, they, there, there's no doubt about it. They need somebody that can run the ball that they can rely on because, uh, let's face it, uh, Peyton, he was just, you know, he was stepping back. But, uh, you know, so you don't believe that they believe in Donald Brown? I mean, no, I, no, I, I feel no like more. Donald Brown could be a, a big-time running back in the NFL. I mean, I'll well, now, your, 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 your buzzer meter is, is picking up to about an eight and a half, and I'm going to take a sip of the fat tire. You're going towards the nine area now, talking about Donald Whatever. Brown. Whatever. Whatever. Donald Brown. Yeah. I mean, every system, every player, every running back is reliant on uh, your offensive line. Yeah. Well, look, the other teams in question here, the New Orleans Saints, I mean, you said it. Uh, you got Pierre and Reggie going down in 2010. The only guy that they look committed to is Chris Ivory. Uh, he racked up 700 yards and five TDs in only 12 games. So, you know, Pierre's a free agent. Bush, he hasn't lived up to expectations. Uh, Julius Jones, you know, I don't know what you're doing with him. Uh, if they have any hopes of making it to the Super Bowl, somebody like D'Angelo Williams with Drew Brees, that could take them there. So, you know, they've been talking about Mark Ingram there, too, as well. So, if the Saints are the most likely guy in the division to snag D'Angelo, they'd be wise to try to go ahead and get that done. I see the Redskins as a, pot- a potential here, too, Mike. There's no doubt that D. Will would be welcome in our nation's capital. I mean, Clinton Porter, there's already word that looks like he's going to be released. Ryan Terrain, he emerged after that growing pull in week five by Portis. And, and I'll tell you, I like Terrain. I like Terrain. I think he's one of these guys that you might want to target this year. I put the word target on him as a sleeper. Yeah. Go ahead and start your draft, wide receiver, wide receiver. And if they don't go pick up a D'Angelo, 
You can take a Ryan Terrain and end up with a heck of a player a la Matt Forte this year. You were able to get Forte like in the fifth and later. You could get a Ryan Terrain in that same ballpark and go wide receiver, wide receiver, tight end, or something like that and get a Ryan Terrain later in the draft. And, and this is another player. But, again, another possibility is Washington. Uh, that would be a, a no-brainer for D'Angelo to go to. The Patriots? The Patriots, uh, you know, do they like Ben Jarvis Green Ellis enough to just go ahead and make him the guy at Danny Woodhead? Uh, if, if if he wants, if D'Angelo wants to win, he might take a pay cut to join a team like the Patriots. And then, and then finally the Jets. You know, if, if LT doesn't come back, if they don't really want him back, Sean Green ah. doesn't look like the back to really lead this, the, the, the Jets running game. He only had two touchdowns in that offense last year, Mike. I'm a big Jets fan, and I expected a whole lot more from Sean I Green. And Sean Green. I, I could like D'Angelo on a team. D'Angelo, Sean Green would be LT times two in Sean Green. So, you know, that would be Super Bowl champions. Here in Indianapolis, I'd be at the game. I'd have a D-Will jersey on. <laughs> Well, you know, coming back to New York. Honestly, Scott, we spent a lot of time talking about a 28-year-old running back that uh, has uh, that can do a lot of things for a lot of different teams, but it's just finding that team. And you know, I think we broke it all down. And at the end of the day, there's only one team uh, that D'Angelo Williams will fit with, and uh, and to. To improve that team, and in my opinion, that's Miami. Hey, you know what, D'Angelo, the reason why we spent so much time on him, 2008, 1,500 yards, 18 touchdowns, gnarly, winning. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Austin Colley, 58, 649. Well, let's go back. My D'Angelo Williams, target or avoid 2011? The what? Target. Target D will or avoid D will? I would target him. I would target him. Yeah, absolutely. All right. I Let's, move on. Let's move on to Austin Collie. This is a name that here in Indianapolis resonates with the fan base. A fan favorite here. 58 for 649 and 8 in nine games, Mike. This was your number one wide receiver in all of fantasy football. Look at these game logs 11 for 163 and 1 versus Houston. He starts off the year with a 33 point game. He comes back with against the Giants and does four for 25 and a touchdown. Again, a solid performance, 13 points. He comes back against Denver. I don't remember if Champ Bailey was playing or not or whatever. He's the number three wide receiver in the Colts offense, 12 for 171 and two, 41 points. He's got he's got 85 points through three games, man. He comes back against Jacksonville, puts up 15. Kansas City 10. Then he gets the concussion against the Redskins, 20 point game. Mike, he, he comes back, he misses some time, he plays against the Patriots, another concussion. Oh, no, what the heck is going on? He comes back after a couple of weeks of sitting out, comes back against Jacksonville, 8 for 87 and 2. The game's still going on. He's got 30 points. Concussion, Mike. His last three games of action, he went out with a concussion. Very scary. He suffered those three, and he landed on IR, and he's a highly effective player when healthy, but... One more concussion might could end his career. Do you target or avoid Austin Colley in 2011? I'm going to avoid Austin Colley. The only reason I'm going to avoid him, I think his talent is amazing. Uh, he showed that the first uh, first few weeks of the year. Uh, I had him on uh, one, uh, in one high-stakes league, and it was, it was great. I mean, the guy was fantastic, but – I got to avoid him because, uh, you know, the injuries, uh, Anthony Gonzalez, can't forget about that guy. He's going to be coming back. And, uh, you know, I, I just I, I got to worry about a guy that continuously gets hurt the way Austin Colley does. So I've got to avoid him. I'm, I just just the way it is. Well, you know what? He reminds me of Welker in more ways than one. But, uh, you know what, I tell you what, I target him. I think he's a guy that could absolutely uh, take you to the bank, take you to the money. And, you know, if, 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 he, if he gets hurt, he gets hurt. He, just like any player that they get hurt, you lose him. But if you get him, the upside is tremendous. The upside is unreal. And Peyton Manning, I think, has learned from putting those passes in situations where he's going to get him killed, you know. You've got to be, be Peyton Manning. You've got to be smart. You can't throw the ball. Several times it was Peyton Manning's fault 
getting too aggressive with calling. I think they're going to have a lot of talks about that in the off season. Don't get this kid killed. Give him the route that he can that he can get, and then you know what? Uh, you know, I know you got to play balls out in the NFL, but I think I think Peyton yeah. is smart enough to learn how to protect this kid because he's too damn good. Right. Well, I understand what you're saying, Scott, but on the other side of that, I mean, are you going to take the game out of the kid? I mean, because that might that might not be the route that he can run. That might not be the route that he's the most effective. So. I mean, does he want to take a corner, uh, a corner route, or a, a, a side out route like a Reggie Wayne? That's not Austin Collie. So uh, then, if that's the case, then he won't be very effective. So I, I'm passing on him. Well, Dallas Clark will be back. That will obviously limit the value of Austin Collie. You got to look at that. And then Jacob Tammy, your boy from Kentucky, that's right. uh, he will exactly. be involved. He will be involved, and that's a target of boy type guy I'd like to talk about too because, and I know it's not on the docket here, and I didn't prepare you, but I tell you what, Jacob Tammy, I would like to target late in the draft. You know, if he's still there and he's hanging out and you're in the 16th round or so and he's still there, and you know, because nobody wants a backup tight end, take a Jacob Tammy. Dallas Clark's getting up there in age, and, and, and he never has had a history of staying healthy the whole time. So, you know what? Jacob Tammy's another guy that I like to target. Let's look at Marshawn Lynch, Mike. The epic touchdown run. It ended the the Saints Super Bowl dream. Uh, it, he went into complete beast mode in that game and, and nailed that run. But he only averaged three and a half yards of carry in 2010 compared to Justin Forbes' 4.4 yards per carry. And you talk about one great playoff game, but for the most part, Lynch has been very, very average. I think Forsett's an underrated runner who deserves more touches, but he's also not the type of back who can make a ton of yardage. And the run blocking for this offense, it wasn't close to being good enough. And I, and, and I don't want to get into Okung and, and, and Lockler and all these guys, but uh, I think they've got a lot of work to do on that line. Is Marshawn Lynch an avoid or a target for you in 2011? Hey, he is a definite avoid. And the reason I say that is because – Seattle, they got into the playoffs based on a <laughs> terrible record. I mean, he, I mean, there was this was not a very good team in a very bad division. Next year, that's going to change. What will change with Seattle? That's up to Pete Carroll and that group. Uh, I don't, I don't see much changing with Seattle. I do see a lot of things changing with the rest of that conference or the rest of that division. Uh, so Marshawn Lynch, uh, I would avoid him uh, like the plague because they just caught lightning in a bottle and uh, it's not going to happen. So, uh, I mean, <laughs> how many times will a team win the division with a sub-500 record? It won't happen next year, I guarantee it. Yeah, well, you know what, uh Beast mode did take a little bit of a while to show up in Seattle, but it sounds like it has arrived. And, Mike, this is a back that has, has averaged over four yards a carry for Buffalo with oh, over yeah. 1,100 yards, eight touchdowns. He had several seasons where he was a reception machine, 45, 50 receptions. This is a guy that, if he's, if he's got his head on straight, can be a major force in the run game for a Seattle team what? desperate to get a running game going. I, I would like to see them get that offensive line intact. Uh, get Lockwood going, get Chris Spencer uh, up for free agency, and get a little Would depth you? there. At that, Let's see what they do in the draft. Another player I want to talk about, Mike, and he's a complete enigma, Jordy Nelson. He was drafted number 36 in the 2008 draft, and in 2010 he went on to help them win a Super Bowl, 45 catches, 582 yards, and only two touchdowns. However, in the playoffs, this kid was the real deal, the real McCoy, so to speak. Jordy Nelson, 21 for 286-2 and two in three starts, including a great Super Bowl game, where, to be honest with you, had it not been for a couple of drops on his part, he would have put up a monster performance, epic for all, uh, Super Bowl history attorney, uh, a gnarly performance by Jordy Nelson. And, Mike, I'm watching these dynasty drafts, these startup dynasty drafts where this kid is going in the 12th round to the 16th round, there's no respect for Jordy Nelson. What in the world? Do you avoid or do you target Jordy Nelson? I'll tell you why. It's called uh, Jermichael Finley. 
Uh, when uh, Finley went down, uh, Green Bay had no uh, – there was no avenue uh, for a tight end. Uh, Jordy Nelson, he was a fill-in, and there shouldn't be any respect for him. Uh, I hate to say that. Uh, you know, I got him on one of my uh, one of my dynasty leagues, and I would love to see him uh, be one of the greatest uh, wide receivers, uh, you know, in the next couple of years for Green Bay. But, uh, you know, Jermichael Finley is going to be back, and, uh, you know, that's going to cut down uh, Jordy Nelson's touches. So that's why. Well, you know what, James Drops Jones is one guy there. I have heard rumors that, uh, you know, Jennings and Finley will get all the targets there. But you know what, Jennings has never been a high-target, high-reception guy. He's a guy that gets deep late, uh, and, and he gets open, and he'll get the ball. But he's never been a high-reception guy, and I don't think he will be again. And you've got Finley, uh, who, again, has to stay healthy and has yep. an injury. And you know what, uh, he's going to be the best receiver on the team. I think we all understand that. But if you don't have Finley in Dynasty League, there's nothing you can do about it. You're going to have to, you know, you, you can't put any packages together that would appease anybody. I've got Michael Vick in a, in a league, and I would love to know what I should be asking for to, to, to trade Michael Vick because I think his value is at an all-time high right now. And Michael Vick is the type of guy that, you know what, you played really tremendously hard last year. You were very highly effective because guess what? You were playing, uh, you know what, what's that, uh, what's that movie – where it's, uh, oh, man, I'm not going to be able to speak of it right now. It's a boxing movie. But he says, you know what? You know what? He was, I uh, wouldn't know it. He was, he was fighting for milk. That's why he was fighting so damn hard. He was fighting for milk. That's what Michael Vick was doing uh, in the 2010 season in the National Football League, Mike. He was playing for milk, man. He needed to get paid. He's going to get paid. He's obviously going to get paid at the top five in his position due to that franchise tag. So what's that mean? That means you've gotten your money. You were in prison for a while, so you learned from some guys about how to get some money from the NFL. You get your money, and now what? Well, if you think you're going to play balls to the wall like you did in 2010, you're going to get killed. You're going to get killed. There's no way you're going to last long-term playing like he did. And so I think you look at Michael Vick and you say, hey, uh, you know what? I've got, uh, I've got the opportunity here to get paid and play a little differently, not as aggressively as like I have in the past. And so I'm thinking this year is the perfect time to sell Michael Vick, Mike. Buy, avoid, or target? Uh, I would say uh, I, I'd say target, honestly. <laughs> I mean, you've got to get on him. But, uh, you know, he, he, he puts down bad games. And uh, so, but I, 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 wouldn't avoid, I wouldn't avoid Vick at all right now. No way. Yeah, well, I'm looking at I'm looking at trying to get some value for for Michael Vick. Uh, he's going in the fourth, uh, fifth round in startup dynasty drafts right now, uh, and, and it's interesting. I mean, unless you are in a quarterback heavy scoring league, uh, you may be able to. It, it may be a little bit higher than that, but I've got several startup dynasty drafts that'll show that he's, he's somewhere around the fourth round. So you know, it just depends on what you're looking for. But I, I'm looking at trying to get rid of him and deal him for maybe a Jimmy Graham type. I would really. To be honest with you, in the FFPC format where you get one and a half points per catch, I love Jimmy Graham, and I would try to target and do everything he possibly could. The whole Jeremy Shockey uh, dealing kind of sucks for me because I didn't have time to get this guy on as many teams as I'd like, and I'm trying. I've been trying to throw offers out there, but people really know what they have in Jimmy Graham, and if you can grab him, your tight end uh, position will be set for the next 10 years, man. This kid is the real deal. And I'll, to be honest with you, I'm the type of guy that will go out on a limb and say, I'll trade Michael Vick straight up for a Jimmy Graham and a draft pick or something like that. That's what I want for uh, Michael Vick right now. I want Jimmy Graham. I want him on my team. Yeah. And uh, you know what, uh, Michael Vick, I, I'm not a huge fan, but uh, to have a Graham alongside of him, that would be, that, I mean, that would be sweet. Yeah. Well, Mike, it was a great show. Listen, you've got a big game coming up. Uh, the Cardinals have a big game on Sunday. We've got a lot of action going on in the FFPC, the WCL. Thanks now, for everybody. To, uh, I, I want to thank everybody for touching in. All right. The NFFC is uh, now backed by stats. They're looking at uh, another 2011 season, and hopefully Fanball gets their checks out in the mail. 
the high stakes community definitely wants to get paid, and you, and you don't get it paid any quicker than the FFPC as of 2011. Thank you for joining Red vs. Blue. We will see you next Friday night. Hopefully you'll join us for another episode. We hope to debut the 2011 episode of the Fantasy Player Rankings. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. With your hosts, Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Please join us next time.